0: Hi and welcome to the DP World Tour's Life on Tour podcast and what an episode we have lined up for you today. European Golf Royalty has joined us and his name is synonymous with the DP World Tour. Colin Montgomery, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you
1: very much and thank you for having me on.
0: Well, I know you're in the Middle East at the moment in uh, Abu Dhabi. How was your Christmas break? W- were you back in the UK?
1: I was indeed, yes. We live in uh, in Sunningdale, in, uh, in Golfing Haven there, uh, around the Wentworth Sunningdale area, so... Uh, So it was good. We had a good winter and uh, ready to go now. You know, we finished our Charles Schwab Cup on the Champions Tour in November. And uh, so we have about six or seven weeks off, which is great. And although I traveled a little bit during that time, there was no golf played, which is good to recharge one's batteries. And out we come here to the Middle East and we start again.
0: You've been traveling to the Middle East now for 25 plus years. It's a place you've got a real close affinity with, uh, does it still excite you after all this time? It does. It's
1: an amazing place, isn't it, really? I mean, you know, from the time they found how to grow grass out here in the mid-'80s, uh, I first came here in 1990, uh, so it's been, what, 30. this is the 32nd year of this going on out here, and uh, it's been quite dramatic, the change, uh, from that famous photograph that we saw the Emirates Club uh, from a helicopter shot it was just a piece of green in the in the middle of a of a desert and now it's uh it's prime building land apparently they want it back again to build on it it's it's quite incredible but uh, the course itself the emirates course you know uh, the iconic emirates course there the majlis course has stood the test of time and it proves that that, that we're still playing there next week you know we we're, we're going there again next week and and, and it proves how how good the course is. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a fabulous place out here, the winter weather, and it's a lovely place to be. So it's a great place to start the year.
0: Well, you're playing the next three weeks in a row. You're playing Abu Dhabi Championship this week, Dubai next week, where you've obviously tasted success, and then Russell Kimer the week after it. What are the expectations coming off a, a winter break with no golf? expectations are the, are,
1: the, are the same as anyone on the range, to be honest. Uh, I'm looking down the range and 131 other competitors and they must have the same expectations as, as I do. And that's to finish as high up the leaderboard as possible. You know, that's all one can say. I mean, we're all we're all in the same boat, to be honest. And and I'm no different. Uh, yes, I'll do it differently to the young guys out here. I'll I'll uh, I'll play my my game because that's all I've
0: got and do the best I can. Well, the DP World Tour posted a social media video of you hitting some drivers yesterday. I think it was three in a row with about a three-yard dispersion between the three. So it looked pretty good to me.
1: <laughs> well, it's accurate. I haven't lost many golf balls off the tee, I can assure you. Uh, I've found most of them. Uh, but at the same time, yes, I mean, length length is an issue. Uh, uh, I'm 58 now, right now. Length is an issue. Flexibility isn't what it was. But at the same time, technology has kept me... The same length as I always have been around about the two seventy five to two eighty mark, and uh, on this particular course, the Yazlinks, you know it can get it almost up to three hundred uh but nowadays these guys all seem to be coming out the same the same box the same the same boat it, it's they're all seems to be clones of each other, whereby they've all got the same swing and they all have the same trackman machine and they all and they all do the same thing, and they're all fit physical specimens, and they all hit it 325 in the air. It's difficult to to, to, to sort of uh, find who's, who's any better than anyone else because they all seem to be the same way. It must be the putting. It must be the, the green work. You know, knowing that 70% of our shots are still hit within 100 yards of the green. So it must be that because uh, as regards hitting a golf ball, it's all, it all seems very similar now you know gone have the days of of, uh, of the likes of, of when i was when i was starting out trying to beat these guys the faldos the langers the woosnam lyle they were all different they all had their own individuality sevy uh, even norman uh, price these guys they all had their own individuality now it seems that they're all coming out coming out the same and and uh, it's lost a little bit of its individuality in my opinion
0: well, you're talking from a game perspective. What about characters? Have we lost characters too?
1: I think so. I think so. Yes, characters and and in a technique. I mean, when you think of the characters, I mean, my God, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, Lee Trevino. I mean, God, I'm going back, you know. But at the same time, characters of the game. Uh, Woozy, a real character of the game. Sevi, uh, I mean, a passionate character. Incredible. Uh, Norman norman a huge character huge charisma and character to the guy uh so yeah i think that's been lost as well a little bit uh in those uh in those years that that i've been away from this tour say 10 15 years it's been lost a little bit and it's a shame in that way uh i feel that we were characters the sam Torrances of this world uh the faldos the the woosnams these these guys uh, uh we've lost a little bit mm.
0: All right well yes links this week playing host to the Abu Dhabi Golf Championships replacing Abu Dhabi Golf Club as the host venue. I mean in in photographs the place looks amazing. What what's your thoughts on the layout?
1: It is it's an incredible place. Uh the same designer as uh somewhere that a lot of American visitors a lot of visitors have played King's Barns, just just south of uh, of St Andrews there Kyle Phillips uh American art, architect and you can see the similarity between Kingsbarns and also here at Yazlinks, it's mostly the green, the green networks that are very similar. It's not just hitting the green; it's hitting the the area of the green you've got to be on. I mean, they are vast, rolling uh, greens, and it's three putt avoidance. That's what uh, you've got to get, get round here is is hitting an area where you don't three putt from. So it'll be very interesting to see how that uh, how that figures out. Yeah, but it's a, but it's a very good setup. Very good setup indeed, and it's incredible conditioning.
0: Well, speaking of golf course architecture, Dubai next week for you, and uh, as a Troon ambassador, uh, tell us about the golf course that you've done with them there. The uh, the address.
1: Yeah, I'm ve- I was very, very honoured to have the opportunity. Uh Al Abab was in touch, and uh, and back in in 1998 we started the Montgomery club there and uh, and uh, we actually opened the front nine in 2000 the back nine in 2002 so it's been there 20 years now and uh, and it's a brand that uh, I've been very very proud of to be associated with very humble to be honest when people say they talk about the Montgomery as if it's as if it's just something you know a generic name and and uh, people tend to forget there's actually a person the person uh, assigned to that name uh, but yeah i mean fifty, sixty thousand 60000 rounds a year round the course the three rostrongs do extremely well the boutique hotel is always in the top 5 in dubai so it's uh, it's a brand and uh, and uh, that i'm very proud of and uh, a lot of people talk about it worldwide. You see shirts around America and you see shirts around Australia and you think, wow, you know, people have been there and bought a shirt. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think I get about five, five P per shirt, so thank you again.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's reflect on your truly remarkable career. Uh, at the peak of your powers, what did life look like on tour for Colin Montgomery?
1: What did life look like the peak of my powers? Good question. Uh well, the peak of my powers was i suppose ninety three through ninety nine when I was winning winning this sort of so-called order of merit uh and it looked it looked like a conveyor belt that I couldn't get off you know the first one I never forget the words that Sevy said to me when i when i when I won the first one in ninety three he said, well, he said, duh, you've just borrowed that he says we'll get it back next year you see and that and that sort of threw me a bit and I said, OK, well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. If I can do this once and I'm improving and I feel of I'm improving and if I do improve, I can do it again. Uh, and I did. And then and improved again and I had to improve every time. And I think to stay on top, um, one has to improve because the competition improves all the time along with you. So if you're not improving, you're going to get overtaken. So. That was how life life was on tour. I wanted to get better. I wanted to learn. I wanted to play with the likes of Langer, the likes of Seve, the likes of Faldo, learn from them, take take their good and learn from that. And uh, and that's what I did. I was, a, I was a quick learner. And I asked to play with these guys in practice rounds when I was younger, back before I was winning the Order of Merit. I was, I was asking to play in practice rounds with them to find out how they, how they did it, and, and when I did play with them, including Norman and Nick Price, these sort the of guys as well, uh, couples that I, that I really admired, uh, I learnt from them. I was a quick learner and, cause, because I wanted to get better.
0: 31 professional victories on the DP World Tour and eight times European number one, seven consecutive Order of Merit titles, 93 to 99. Which of those seasons stands out for you?
1: God, I could write a book about all of them. To be honest, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there was there was one in particular that stands out. Uh, you know, the best the best I'd played was possibly 99, where I won six events on the tour. Uh, but they were all they were all very special. All very special. And it took a lot out of me. Uh, took an awful lot out of me, uh, mentally more than physically, uh, trying, to, trying to stay on top because second place would have been a failure. And actually second place out of, out of thousands of try, trying this thing would have been okay in, a, in anyone else's world, just not mine. Uh, so second would have been a failure. So I had to, it, it was tough. It, it it was really hard uh to sustain it for that length of time uh and I was almost glad it broke in 2000 to be honest uh uh but uh yeah i, I 99 was a great was a great uh year 95 was also wonderful i think i played my best golf in 95 but 99 was the most the biggest success uh, but, yeah, you know, if it goes down to individual events uh, within that, you talk about the 31, well, three of those were the, were the important ones, which were the PGA it went with. Uh, uh, it was Volvo at the time, the Volvo PGA at Wentworth, And uh, to win three in a row, that was my, that was my ultimate. You know, I have, I have three sets of trophies really at home that, uh, that are out on display. And there's nine Ryder Cups, uh, eight I played in, and one I captained in. And then there's eight orders of merit trophies, uh, the Varden trophies, which you know look. There's. Uh, I must admit, I'll tell you, it does look quite impressive. <laughs> and then, the, and then, and then the three, the three PGA championships it went with in a row: 98, 99, two thousand, and. Because no one else has done it, I suppose it means it means so much more to me. You know that 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 uh, that no one's won it three times in a row before, and uh, to go in the year two thousand and to and to win it again was was uh, that's as good as I could do. So that's the three main trophies that that uh, that uh, adorn uh, the house, uh, and that's all that's really on show. The rest, the rest are great. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, you know, there's, there's not enough space, really.
0: <laughs> In those halcyon days, who were you working with on your game? I was working with uh, two guys, really, uh, one mentally
1: and one physically. Uh, the physical one was Dennis Pugh down at the Wisley Golf Club, and uh, we worked together very well. Uh, it wasn't really coaching as such. I knew what I was doing. He knew what I was doing. It was more we had breakfast, we had a chat and uh, down at the Wisley, uh, they've even called it Monty's Breakfast now. It's a full Monty, they call it, sorry, on the <laughs> menu at the Wisley. So if you go down there ever and ask for the full Monty, and realise it started with Dennis Pugh and myself ordering a hell of a lot for breakfast, yeah. Uh, so that was the coaching. It wasn't really... We both knew exactly what to do. There was one There was one or two swing thoughts. I had to complete my backswing and I had to get through on my left side. I mean, that was really what it was. and And that was a simple and as straightforward as as I can be with you. Uh, that was all it was. Finished my backswing, which meant I turned, and then threw on my left side, and all the weight had to go through on the left side. If I left it on the right, I'd, I sort of pulled it a bit, and I didn't want to do that because I was aiming left, because I faded it. And the other part was a guy, uh, uh, Dr Hugh Mantle, who, who worked up at Liverpool Moores University, and... and uh, he was introduced to me through the Olympic uh, uh, movement, and uh, he was the he was the mental he was the mental coach. He was the mental side of things. He was the he was the guy that kept me on the straight and narrow and uh, got me believing believing I could do this. And he was instrumental in in, uh, in those years that I was number one to keep me there uh, to get there once and then to keep me there was, was key. So the two guys that really I owe an awful lot to.
0: It was interesting what you're saying there with Dennis, two basic swing thoughts. I mean, they are, they are very, very basic. I mean, do you think that, uh, do you think, do you think that the modern-day coaches have, have perhaps strayed a little too far from the, those fundamentals?
1: Possibly, possibly. There was only Nick Falder who could, who could actually have four or five swing thoughts in one swing. He was, he was incredible that way. Even Langer had one swing thought. Woozy, I don't think, had one. He just swung the club. He was so natural. Lyle, he was a natural player as well. He was, he, he was, he was amazing. Lyle, uh, Alasible didn't have many swing thoughts. I didn't. I too. And I think, yes, I think coaches nowadays have have gone away from that, and it's all very technical now. That's why the swings look very similar. You know, it's almost computerized and i say that because of the trackman machines and the numbers game and the how do you get the launch how do you so if everyone is looking for launch and spin rates and how to get the ball in the air at 13.6 degrees or whatever it is they're going to swing quite similarly we didn't we didn't have i mean when you think of when you think of the players in europe everyone was an individual i mean Sevy had an individual swing, So did falder woosnam lyle myself uh uh we all we all did Langer, we all had an individual swing, and uh these days are these days are behind us. I think they all swing the club in in a way to get the ball launched, spinning airborne whatever it might be, and I think that individual individuality with a swing has has been lost
0: when you think of the name. Colin Montgomery, you think precision, consistency, longevity. Uh, the near misses in the majors quite often pop up. Uh, you know, you could say some were some were stolen, like '92 at Pebble, the U.S. Open, or Steve Elkington Riviera in '95 at the PGA, and then perhaps some were were lost, like Wingfoot in uh, 2006. You had several close calls. Which which one hurts the most? Still,
1: none of them. None of them hurt apart from. 2006 at Winged Foot, yeah, yeah, because because uh, you know it was it was it was one of these things whereby the others the others were won by by someone and you shake your hand, even Steve Elkington. Okay, you might have got lucky, hold a pot on a green that was that was all all, all beat up or what have you, and you hold a pot from the edge of the green. So you think, okay, well, well done. And Woods Woods won at St Andrews and Els and all the carry on, but the one that got away was 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 2006 where it was I felt it was my fault you know and and if it's your fault it hurts a little bit more than someone else doing something on you against you and i think that uh, that's that's the one that 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 does hurt but they they all they all were close and uh and i was glad to get in that position you know to be to be good enough i suppose to be in that position to lose, you know. I thought the door might might open once, and it was ajar in two thousand and six. I didn't quite manage to walk through it, and uh, and and there you go. Uh, that's golf. That's the so-called golf gods. You know, uh, you got to get lucky. You got to get lucky to win a major. You know, there's never a time where I've I've stood up and made a winning speech and holding a trophy and saying I was unlucky. Never. You never do that. There's always a time where you get fortunate, whether it's on you or against your opponent, you know. Uh, So I didn't have that ultimate fortune. uh, And I made a mistake in 2006. So there you go. Uh, Just one of these things. But I'm glad that you even brought up the major situation because it, it proves that I was... I was there. I was good enough to contend, not just to compete for majors, but to contend for majors. It's a big difference. And I was went over to America, and that U.S. Open I loved it because it was my type of game, precision game, as you say, and and uh, and I enjoyed it mainly because a lot of them didn't. A lot of them did 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 not enjoy that precision game. I did. I loved hitting the fairways and hitting the greens and. And, uh, having that challenge, you know, to beat par at the US Open was a, was a huge challenge. Uh, so I enjoyed it. Uh, the PGA and the, and the, and the, uh, US Open were my two favorite events.
0: You still think you're the best player without a major, a regular major?
1: I couldn't ever say that. Lee Westwood's been very, very good, uh, you know, over the years he's sustained, sustained, uh, his playing ability over the years, uh. There's myself, there's a few others. Steve Stricker, I suppose, you know, is a very good player, still is a very good player. There's a few that uh, it just hasn't fallen for, you know. And there's a few that that you would that you would think the viewers might not even know the names that that, that have won a major, you know. Uh, it, uh, yeah, you get fortunate uh, one way or another. But I suppose that's three names, Stricker, myself and Westwood, that you'd have to put in that uh, in that category. I wouldn't say I was the only one. No.
0: Look, but bar, bar Tiger, <laughs> who 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 was the best player from or well, you had to pick one player from the era that you played in. And I know you you know you've mentioned Sevi, Faldo, Norman, uh, you know, Langer, all those players. You had to pick one. Mm-hmm. Who was the best from that era?
1: Langer. Langer was the best in that era. Uh not discount not not counting woods. Langer was the best. I wouldn't say he was the the most talented, uh, the most talented player was Seve uh, or Lyle, but Langer got the most out of his game, and that's what I was always impressed with. Never wasted a shot, very underrated short game. Never wasted a shot, got the best out of his game. He 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 worked so hard to make that. 71 into a 69 you know or a or a if he was playing well a 69 into a 67 you know he worked so hard to get that the the squeeze the, the the most out of any round and he's still doing it to this day incredible at 64 years old uh that's that's someone that i would i'd respect more than someone with just a huge amount of natural talent that just it just happens naturally someone that squeezes that 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 nth degree out of a round of golf and that's someone I would I would uh, really admire and that would be Langer yeah
0: well towards the end of 2021 the European Tour rebranded as the DP World Tour and as one of the icons of European golf sad to see it go at
1: all I'm sad to see the name go I'm sad to see the name of the European Tour go but I spoke to Ken Schofield recently who was my boss uh, for many years he was the CEO of the of the European tour. And he was the reason that we are sitting here today. I'm sitting here today in the East. He went East and he had the vision to go East. He was trying to give opportunity for the members to play golf. We used to, our our tour used to be April to October. Now it's damn near a full year. And he went East. He went to the Middle East. He went to uh, India ended up in Australia, didn't he? We played European tour events in Australia for many, many years. Uh, we've played events in China, India, uh, Malaysia. Incredible where we went. And he was giving opportunity to members to play. And I think this DP World is very similar. And uh, he was saying the same. It's giving opportunity to the members of the European Tour, the DP Tour, World Tour now, opportunity to play. And not just to play, But to double the prize money, you know, the weakest prize money, I think, was a million euro. Now it's two million euro has to be to be a a DP World event. So, hey, yes, we've lost our name, but the membership are benefiting tremendously from this initiative from DP World. So all credit to everybody that's associated with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Look, your great friend and old manager guy Kinnings, he uh, he's the deputy CEO of the DP World Tour and spear- spearheading the commercial front. Mhm. D- do you t- do you two speak on the commercial side and does he tap into your knowledge from a player's perspective at all? Yeah,
1: we speak sometimes, guy and I. Uh, uh, you know, although he's although he's changed tracks, you know, he's he, he's gone from uh the hat has changed you know from his img days to to squeeze money out of people and now he's the other way around trying to save it you know it's uh it's a bizarre situation he finds himself in but uh i wish him well obviously you know he's he's uh he's a lot on his plate you know director of the rider cup and he's and he's commercial director as well so he's got an awful lot on his plate but uh you have to say it's been a it it's been a huge success so far you know he's been at the job i think what 3 years now and uh, and uh, you know he he's he's got a super ability to be able to talk to anybody from royalty down to down to the the local caddy on the, on the street corner and i think that's uh, i think that's good for him and and uh, he's super that way so so i wish him well Whatever he does, uh, we were very close for those years. We were what twenty five years together, and and we sort of grew together. Really, uh, I'd like to say I, I helped him, and as he helped me, and uh, uh, I wish him well in in his new role. Nothing lasts forever, and uh, we we had a great twenty five years together. We had a fantastic time together, and we're very close friends.
0: What's your thoughts on the Rolex series and how that's evolved?
1: Well, I think it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, Rolex, what a supporter of uh, of not just golf but sport. In general, and uh, they do it so well—a uh, very classy outfit. But they would be from from Geneva and Switzerland, now wouldn't they? You know, and and uh, they do it so well. And uh, and I'm a very proud ambassador of the Rolex company, and have been since my days captaining the Ryder Cup team back in 2010. And it's uh, it's super that they've got these events. I mean, to, I mean to be playing for this amount of money to start off in January, two $8 million events back-to-back uh, on two great courses uh, in the Middle East. Uh, what a start to the year, you know, and to end up really at Wentworth, uh, you know, another Rolex event there, uh, their sort of flagship event, still down at Wentworth, the BMW uh, PGA Championship. Uh, superb what they do. And, uh, and along with that, affiliation continue with... With golf, I think it started with Mark McCormick and the Big Three—you know, Palmer, Player, and Nicholas—were all Rolex ambassadors, and it started off there. And uh, they found that golf was a super entity to be part of, and uh, and uh, I'm so glad they're they're still with us.
0: And something new in 2022 is the Scottish Opens co-sanctioning with mm. the PGA Tour in the U.S. And mm. uh, in addition, there are a couple of events on the PGA Tour in which there are half the spots available to mm-hmm. DP World Tour members as well. What's your opinion on that?
1: It's been coming. It's been coming, and I'm so glad that uh, the PGA Tour and the European Tour, the DP World Tour now, have got together. And uh, the big one, the the first one, is is really the Scottish Open, whereby uh, FedEx points are awarded for the Americans and uh, and vice versa for us. And I think it's fantastic, and I think that especially the week before the 150th Open at St. Andrews, up the road, an hour away from, from Renaissance. My God, I mean, the field will be strong, to say the least. Uh, or it should be, anyway, and it will be. So I think it's a great association uh, to have uh, between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, and I think you'll find that they'll amalgamate an awful lot more in the future. This is just a start, and uh, it's great that we can go over and the odd event and do the same in America. Uh The top players have been going there anyway, but it gives opportunity now for other members to go over there and uh, participate and see how they fare. So I think that amalgamation will... will Will increase over the years, and it's great we've started already.
0: Let's talk a little Ryder Cup. It would be remiss of me not to. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty-one Whistling straights, on paper, the European side was absolutely thrashed. Mm-hmm. Was the result a little bit closer than that? Is that a fair indication of where the two teams are currently? You think?
1: Yes and no. I think. I think uh, when you see the results of the games, there were there were the matches that they didn't all finish six and five. They didn't all finish seven and six. You know, there was some a lot of close games coming down the last hole. We just we just didn't uh perform to our ability. And we had we'd actually outdone ourselves, really. I mean, to think that we we were the underdogs on a world ranking set every time we play the Ryder Cup, and yet before whistling straights we'd won nine out of the last twelve of them. How the hell does that happen when you go in underdogs to the might of America, really? Uh We outperformed ourselves and they didn't and they didn't. They didn't play to their potential. We did. Uh, This time in 2021, it was uh, the writing was on the wall. We all felt that beforehand. Uh, They played, I'd say they played well. They played okay. They didn't play fantastically well. What happened, unfortunately, is the European side did not play to their potential at all and uh that was the that was that was the the issue the discrepancy in the score became the fact that we didn't perform for the first time for a long long time as opposed to Americans being that good yes yes they were better but we didn't perform and that was why the gap uh was so much uh, as it was you know it, it was a pity to see and it was i wouldn't say it was embarrassing but at the same time having having Fought so hard for that Ryder Cup in in the years gone by. It was a shame to to let it go so easily. And now we've got a big job in two thousand twenty three to try and get something back again. You know, we have a fantastic record in Europe and something that I'm very proud of. And the whole European Tour, the old DP World Tour, are whereby we haven't lost at home for thirty years. When it comes back to Rome in two thousand and 23 the last time we lost at home was 1993 30 years ago yeah and and uh and it's a record that we're very proud of and would love to would love to sustain but it's going to be very difficult because i'd say 10 of that 12 an american team are going to be there again and they've found a way of playing to their potential if they do that again yes it's going to be very difficult for us so we've got to counteract it We've got to find we've got to find a new Hovland, a new Rahm, uh quickly, uh from somewhere. Another another four or five of them very quickly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well you've got the Danish twins, the Hoyguards, yes. and they're yes. obviously on the radar for twenty twenty three. Are there any others that you think have the potential to be those Hovlands or Rams?
1: Well there's there's a couple, of the Danish twins, uh you know to have brothers performing you know i, I think uh, the molinari's when i captained uh, the team i had the molinari brothers playing it's amazing isn't it to see to think that it can happen again so quickly but uh, they seem to be incredible and to win back to back events the brothers uh, was something to behold you know that might never ever happen again two brothers to win back to back events my god uh, so their potential obviously if they if they keep on improving and keep on doing what they're doing uh but we need more than that you know we need we need another couple we need another couple or three because the days of polter westwood uh these type of guys probably have possibly played their last uh they wouldn't probably think think that but uh age age comes comes to all of us uh so it's it'll be difficult but uh I'm not sure who else is coming through there's a there's an awful lot of them that hit the ball tremendously well it's just a matter of do they have that so, so-called x factor that that takes them from from that 20th or 30th position in on the on the tour to that top 5 position on the tour and that gets you into the radic cup teams and uh, and that's the difference uh and it's minute it's a uh, it's half a shot around you know the difference between between that and making a Ryder Cup team, now who has that and who doesn't have that is difficult uh, to say because it's because it's a mental it's a mental attitude to have as opposed to a physical one. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Well, one shining light at Whistling Straits for Europe was the world number one, John Rahm. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on the Spanish superstar and the way he plays the game with such flair, such passion?
1: Well, it's the Spanish way, isn't it? You know, you think of a Sevi Seve, and Garcia that, 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 that Spanish flair, that charisma, it's a big, he's a big man too, you know, walks on the putting green, you know, and he, and he's okay, I'm here now, you can start, you know, you can start now, I'm here, uh, amazing, amazing, you know, he changed equipment there, last year, people thought, okay, well, this might not work, it worked very, very well, having, you know, won his first major there at the US Open at, uh, Torrey Pines there, and, uh, He's gonna go. He's gonna go on and on. He has that. He has that. He has something, doesn't he? He has something. He has something, and he has a very, very good something. Uh, he's got everything in his game. There's no weakness in his game, and that's why it's that. That's why it's there. The the putting. Look at the putty hold at the last green at the U.S. Open to win his first major. My God, you know, I mean, anyone else would have just just sort of two putted there and walked off. I mean, he. He finished that in style, and uh, I think you'll see a few other majors finish in style that way. He's He's got power, he's got charisma, he's got flair, and he appears to have a mind, a mind that's well beyond his years, That uh, a golfing mind that can get round a golf course. So so uh, John Rahm, John Rahm's a special, special
0: player. You enjoyed an incredible Ryder Cup career, 23.5 points earned over eight Ryder Cups and then undefeated in eight singles matches. Mm-hmm. You went on to serve as a winning captain, as you mentioned, in 2010 at Celtic Manor. Mm-hmm. What were the, some of the major differences between being a winning player and a winning captain?
1: A winning player is easy. Believe me, you just, <laughs> uh, you're there, you're trying to get some points for the team, you're trying to get to the 14 and a half magic points uh, that means success. And uh, as a player, you go out there and you try for your team. As a captain... Oh, my God, I didn't realise until I sent out my first players on Friday morning that I'd lost control, you know? I'd lost control of them. I had control in the locker room. I had control uh, in the practice rounds and I had control in the first tee of them. Then this suddenly went off and I thought, oh, God, hang on. I hope they bring back something. <laughs> I hope they bring back half a point. I hope they bring back a point or something. It'd be a complete waste of four and a half hours if they don't. Uh, it, I, yeah, it was a lack of control that I that I hated. Uh not being not being at all in control of what they were doing on the course. Yes, I could go out and support them and, 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 and G them on, but it that wasn't coaching them. That wasn't telling them how to play the game. Uh it was it was very, very stressful time. Very stressful time. I didn't want to had a reasonable Ryder Cup record, obviously, and I didn't want to I didn't want to lose that in 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 one of these losing captaincy situations especially at home because i mentioned earlier on that how our record at home and how good it is and i wanted to be part of that record i was very lucky i was very lucky because you have to be it's a toss of the coin or well, it was it was then it was very very close and uh, and it was a toss of the coin and 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 it just fell it fell on my side i was very very fortunate uh you know to win that uh they had a they, as they always tend to do, have a better team. You know, uh, Woods and Mickelson were at the were at the helm, but there was a number of Dustin Johnson. That was his first. The Bubba Watson. That was his first. You know, these guys, God, they still had to be beaten, you know, and uh, they had a very strong team. And I was very proud of my 12, what they did. And they all contributed at least half a point. And that meant an awful lot to them and to me that the whole team contributed at least half a point to that victory, which was, which was massive for us all.
0: Shane Lowry, mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful rhythmical golf swings, magical short game. Yes. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Irishman?
1: I like Shane Lowry. I like Shane Lowry. I think he's a, he's a super bloke on, on and off the course. And uh, in fact, I left, we were playing a, uh, a major, one of our senior majors at Firestone, and uh, the Americans were asking me because the week, the week after was the Open at uh, Port Rush. And uh, the Americans were asking me there, okay, Monty, you, you know this Lynx stuff. Who do you fancy going to win the Open? And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'm going for a 66 to one shot. And they go, what? Shane Lowry, I said. And they went, they didn't say who, but they were going, well, what, what, sorry, why? I said, because he's got great hands. He's almost got Spanish hands around the greens. He's Irish. He knows, the, he knows the course. He has that support and he's going to win the Open. And they go, okay, okay, you've lost the plot here, haven't you? <laughs> he? And what happened there, you know? What happened there? He went and won the damn thing. So I should have put money on myself.
0: I'm surprised their answer wasn't
1: Steve Lowry. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've got a lot of time for Shane and uh, I've liked him since he first came on tour. He's a real character and, uh, and uh, a real nice guy.
0: Yeah, that he is. Look, Victor Hovland, he's mm-hmm. taken the golf world by storm since turning pro three years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think Victor's in it for the long haul? You see a long career, successful career for Victor?
1: I do. I do. I was hitting balls next to him yesterday and I was very, very impressed with him. Uh, Victor Hovland, such a nice guy. Plays with a smile on his face. Every, every everything's, a, everything's a smile on his face, which is nice to see, you know, and uh, a breath of fresh air, really and a bloody good goal for too. I mean he's he's now in the top top 10 in the world. I think he's 7th as we speak. And uh I can only see that rising. I think he he's got the bit between his teeth. He really wants to be the number one player and he has and he has everything to go with it. And if he can if he can keep smiling and keep that mental attitude the way it is, he's every opportunity of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a he's a super young lad.
0: I've got to ask you about the future of Scottish golf because over the last 18 months we've seen Bob McIntyre, Callum Hill, Grant Forrest all taste success on the DP World Tour, so it, it appears to be pretty bright from the outside. It's getting better.
1: Scottish golf is getting better. Uh, we've had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a a, a down down time, really. Uh, you know, we haven't had a Scottish uh, member of the Ryder Cup team. I think the last three times, which which is disappointing. Usually, it's full of Scots the Ryder Cup team, and now you know it's changed. The guard has changed, and uh, want to get back there. I think. Robert McIntyre's n- number one to try and change that. And uh, he's obviously got great potential. But you say Grant Forrest and Callum Hill as well and a few other guys that are coming through. Uh, Connor Syme I played with yesterday in the practice round, hit the ball fantastically well. So it's just a matter of one of these guys making a breakthrough and then keeping at it, you know. Not just making a w- one breakthrough, but breakthrough and then winning again and again and again, you know. So we need that uh, uh to sort of sustain sustain that effort. Uh but yeah, I mean obviously I watch all the scores of the Scots lads coming through and seeing seeing who's going to be the next Ryder Cup player for Scotland and uh of course Bob McIntyre's in the driving seat but of course he's got competition coming through which is great in Scottish golf because it's been uh, it has been a lean time over the last what 10 years really.
0: Finally, at the age of 58 with 54 professional victories, having achieved a Hall of Fame career, uh, where does the drive still come from for you to get out there and compete?
1: Well, you said it there in one. It's the competition more than it is the game of golf. To be honest, it's the competition that drives me. I think it's inbred, really. I think it's. I think it's. I don't think you can find it or or want to have it. You either have or you don't. And uh, I was born with it. And. Uh, and that competitive drive keeps me going and that's why I'm talking to you today at 58 years old you know it's it's that competitive drive that competition that keeps me going more than it does hitting a six iron close hitting a six iron close is lovely but it means I might make birdie to to overtake some of the leaderboard you know that's the that's why uh and I love it I love the competition I'd be competitive at anything I do I, I believe I just happened to found my my medium which is golf you know and, and uh, I'm very lucky to very very lucky to have done so
0: Colin Montgomery thank you so much for joining us today on the Life on Tour podcast and we look forward to watching you these next few weeks and beyond
1: well thank you so much indeed thanks for having me on